Hello and welcome to another episode of the Tennis Fantasy Podcast. We're not far away from the conclusion of the French Open now, with it being the Thursday in the second week, just a few more days now. And it's women's semi-finals day today with men's semi-final day tomorrow. Uh, as always, I'm joined by Marcus Ali. How are you doing, Marcus? Very well, thank you. Looking forward to these four matches that we've got coming up today and tomorrow on the singles uh, event in, in Roland Garros. Just a quick disclaimer, uh, my dulcet tones might be a little bit affected by hay fever, but that's just a symptom of the time of year. Some people enjoy summer, uh, but this is just uh, something that I've got to deal with. Um, so yeah, sorry about the, might, might sound a little bit nasally in, the, in this episode, but I'll, I'll do my best. Okay, so we'll start with uh, the women's semi-finals today. Uh, the first semi-final uh, getting underway at two o'clock today. Uh, Anastasia Pavlyuchenkova against Tamara Zidansek. Uh, Zidansek became the first Slovenian singles player to ever make a Grand Slam semi-final. Um, that surprised me at first, and then when I thought about it, I couldn't really think of too many Slovenian tennis players. Actually, it's normally a more Slovakia and Serbia with the uh, with the tennis players. Um, Pavlyuchenkova made uh, the semi-final on her seventh attempt at winning the quarter-final in a quarter-final of a Grand Slam. Uh, so finally, getting across the line against Paula Bedosa. Uh, there were two brilliant quarter-finals these two came through. Uh, sorry, Zdancek uh, beat Paula Bedosa. Uh, and, of course, Anastasia Pavlyuchenkova was Alina Rybikina, who beat uh, Serena Williams in the round before that. Um, two fantastic quarterfinals, as I say, both coming down to third sets. Uh, Pavlyuchenkova winning that match against Rybikina 9-7 uh, in the third set. We'll start with that match. Uh, Rybikina actually went in as a slight favourite in that match, maybe more because of that Serena Williams win and the Pavlyuchenko previous quarterfinal record lost. Um, Pavlyuchenko, sorry, Pavlyuchenko uh, lost the first set in a tiebreak, came back and won 6-2, 9-7, beating the 21st seed, Rybakina, who at this point was, I think, the third highest ranked female still left in the draw. Uh, she would be the second highest ranked female uh, in the draw, she was still in it, Rybakina. Uh, the, the young Kazakhstani, only 21, so I'm sure we've still got a lot of time to, to see her. And she's shown that she can produce brilliant performances on clay. But Marcus, I know you um, were, were really focused on this match and, and really enjoyed it. And, and we do love a 9-7 in a, in a deciding set at Roland Garros. Yeah, of course, the French Open now the last remaining slam where you will not go to a final set tie break in the end. So, yeah, this one going to 9-7. I think I've got to hold my hands up to a bit of uh, amateur psychology when I was previewing this match. I said that I fancied Rybakina because Pavlochenkova, having got to those six quarterfinals before and not managed to make the semi-final, I thought that might work against her. When in the end, the complete opposite happened. Um, she really had to fall back on that experience and she, you know, she's eight years the senior of Rai Bikina, and it really showed in the match. I think in terms of who had the best level and, and produced the best tennis on the day, I probably would have said it, it, it was the Kazakhstani um, 
Rybakina. She just couldn't really sustain that level. Um, but Pavlyuchenkova was really solid. You know, when a set down against the, the favourite in that match, did not panic at all. Um, you know, took that second set with ease. And in the last set, really, she was the better player. Um, Rybakina was, of course, serving second, which sometimes can be a, a little bit of a disadvantage when you're, when you're going deep into a final set. But Pavlochenkova was was a lot more solid on serve and eventually, you know, got that break, which did seem inevitable. Um, you know, she was just playing much better than uh, on the return game than, than Rybakina was. And, and yeah, at 29, she makes her first Grand Slam semi-final, um, much deserved. Rybakina, I, I definitely think, will come again. I think we'll definitely see more from her, um, the 21-year-old. But... Yeah, she really did use her experience and at the end of the day, she was just just more consistent, far less unforced errors. Um, she was just hanging in points a lot longer. Rybakina, particularly towards the end of that third set, was trying to get points done way too quickly and, and, and the Russian really did profit from that. So it was an excellent overall performance, um, a, a comeback win, of course. And to do it deep, 9-7 in the last set, that's got to that's got her increase her, her self-belief moving into this semi-final matchup, which, of course, she, she will be favourite to win. Uh, no, the thing that really stands out for me uh, is how hard Pavlyuchenkova's draw has been. We've been talking about the, the big seeds going out uh, in this women's event. I think something like six of those eight quarter-finalists, I think, were first-time quarter-finalists. Um, and I believe all of the semi-finalists are, are first-time semi-finalists at this event. Um, but Pavlyuchenkova has really had to come through some big names, beating Arena Sabalenka in the third round. If you heard James Gray talking on the, the podcast a couple of episodes ago, he was uh, pretty confident that Sabalenka was, was going to make the final of this tournament. Uh, Pavlyuchenkova then went on to beat Victoria Azarenka in three sets. Um, and w- what we all know how good she is at a Grand Slam winner. Um, also was looking really, really impressive uh, towards that that fourth round um and then of course this win against Rybakina she's come through three really tough three set matches uh which you know you, you'll hope she'll still be in in good condition ahead of this match against Zidansek who I believe has spent less time on court uh, um in the last couple of matches obviously coming through that three set match against Andreescu was a great uh, start for Zidansek, um, just really lifting her off into this tournament because I think b- prior to that match, you know, I don't think she was a player that too many people were expecting to to go too far in this tournament. Ranked at 85 in the world, uh, she is only 23 years old. So, um, you know, a, a lot of younger younger girls uh, doing well at this tournament. Um, she came through against Paula Bedosa, as I mentioned uh, before, winning 8-6 in a deciding set. So two fantastic matches here. Bedosa was the 33rd seed. Don't normally have that, uh, but I believe that's because of an injury. Um, the seeding obviously goes down last minute. I'm not 100% sure as to how that works. But uh, Zidansek coming in to this one as the underdog. Bedosa, the firm favourite with that fantastic record. I think it was 17-2. I think in the last 90 matches, we uh, we worked it out uh, on, on the last podcast and it's really not a result I saw coming at all. I did see quite a bit of this match and uh, Zidansek really took it to her Spanish opponent. She won the first set 7-5, lost the second one 6-4 uh, and then won that deciding one 8-6. 
as I said. Um, she's also come for a couple of really tough matches on the way. Of course, the Andrescu one, uh, and then also Castella in the fourth round, uh, a very good player on, on the clay court. So um, both these both these women, uh, Zidanezek and Pavlyuchenko, have come through really tough draws, I would say, and I'm really surprised that the field, uh, it's their first meeting in the semi-final, uh, both of them having had first meetings in those quarterfinals, as Marcus uh, pointed out in the last episode. It's a really tough one for me to predict, purely because the women's draw has just been so unpredictable. I'm going to say that it will be three sets, um, and I will, I might just lean in favour of the, the Slovenian uh, Zidansek. Uh, she just, for me, um, Bedosa was playing fantastic tennis uh, before that match, and I still think sustained a really good level during that match from from what I saw. And um, I, I reckon Zidansek could uh, really go for it. We saw Igor Swiatek last year just sort of winning this event out of absolutely nowhere. And uh, well, you know, why can't we see it from Zidansek this year? So I'm going to say. Zidansek in three sets. Fair play. Um, I wasn't expecting that. I think the main reason why she did get past Badoza was just sort of mental strength. Um, it's amazing that, you, you know, we're talking up the prospect of having a world number 85 in it in a Grand Slam final. But I do think Badoza let herself down. I thought she was all over the place, to be honest. She was so high and so low at so many different points. Um, whereas Zidansek managed to just find that sort of happy medium. She was a set and a break up, of course, a set and four, two, and then Bedoza won four games in a row to come back and, and, and level the match, but Zidanezek held her nerve to win it. Yeah. Eight, six, uh, deep, deep in the deciding set. So big kudos to her. Of course, she's six years younger than Pavlochenkova coming into this one, but I do think it's a little bit too soon for, her. I think this is, yeah, by a mile, her best run at a slam had only got the second round was her best before this, before this event. Um, and I do think Pavlochenkova is looking solid. Um, I, I think Zidansek did profit quite a lot from Bedoza's errors and maybe just sort of inconsistencies in that match. So I am going to side with the Russian. I think Pavlochenkova can get this done in straights, but it is a really interesting match. And yeah, Zidansek definitely has that never say die attitude. Um, you know, I, I can see her a, a set and a double breakdown and still, a still scrapping to get back into the match should it come to it. But no, I think I'm going to go for Anastasia Pavlochenkova in straight sets in that first semi-final. And so we'll move on to the second semi-final uh, coming on to court after that match uh, that we've just previewed. Um, in terms of ranking, um, a stronger semi-final in, in terms of, uh, sorry, as I say, ranking. Um, Maria Sakkari is the highest ranked female, still left in the draw, ranked at 18. And she pulled off probably, in my eyes, the biggest upset of the women's tournament. That's with no discredit to Sakkari. She's a fantastic player, especially on the clay. But uh, she beat Igor Swiatek, and I just couldn't see her losing at Roll. Sorry, at Roland Garros um, after winning it so comfortably last year. Was looking fantastic in the event this year, uh, and, and Sakari really pulled off a, a fantastic win in that match against Swiatek. Who it must be said, Swiatek didn't quite look um, up to her usual self. I do think. Um, Zachary was fantastic and, and cannot take it away from her. I think, in my mind, she is definitely favourite to win this tournament. That's not just 
as a result of rankings, but I do think she's playing the best tennis. Um, to beat Iga Swiatek, 6-4, 6-4, the result. Uh, yet another quarterfinal where uh, the, the firm favourite has lost the match. Um, but yeah, Maria Sakkari, of course, going really well in her first Grand Slam semi-final. Uh, she's only 25 herself, so um, perhaps a, a little bit senior to a few of the girls, uh, the, the the players that have been in this uh, draw, but um, still still very young, you know, still in the first half of her career and uh, looking really fantastic on, on the clay court. So before we go on to her opponent, um, a word on Zachary's win over Swanson yesterday. How surprised were you, Marcus? Um, uh, just not so much the fact she won, but the fact she won so comfortably, actually, I watched quite a bit of this match. Swiatek looked quite rattled during it, and Zachary just... She has an air of coolness about her. She, her, her compatriot, Stefan Tsitsipas, uh, did this very well against Medvedev the other day, which we'll talk about. But uh, Sakri just almost sort of very level-headed on court um, the whole way through um, and, and just didn't look like she... Yeah, it was the first time I'd actually seen uh, Sakari play yesterday and it was really impressive to get it done in straight sets. As you mentioned, Sviantec was a, a huge favourite to, to retain her crown. I think both of us were were in agreement there. So to see Sakari come through was was a real surprise. The thing that um, amazed me was her power and just, just how she was sustained. There were so many heavy baseline rallies um, that Sakari was able to able to win. I think Sviantec's defence was very good uh, and, and usually is, but uh, wasn't wasn't enough for the power hitting of, of Sakari and that's what really stood out for me. Um, as I said, having not seen a lot of her at all until yesterday, it was mighty, mightily impressive and when you look at the rankings, obviously 18, she's quite comfortably the, the highest ranked player left in the draw and given that she's knocked out the favourite, yeah, she, she definitely is earning of that favourite tag going into these semi-finals. So um, before we move on to, to Krajikova, um I, I think I might have given away my prediction a little bit, but yeah, uh, Krajikova, of course, with, a, with an excellent win as well yesterday. Yeah, just quickly still on Zachary. Um, reminds me a little bit of um, Diego Schwartzman in the sense that prior to that match against Nadal yesterday and, and the French Open, he wasn't having the best clay court season and then has kind of surprised us a bit at the French Open with just sort of almost putting all of that behind him and just doing really well. And Zachary wasn't having the best uh, clay court season at all with losses. Um, uh, Kvitova in the second round of Stuttgart, uh, lost to Caroline Muchela in Madrid, and then Coco Goff in Rome. Okay, not a, a terrible loss with how Coco Goff has been playing recently, but Zachary hadn't actually strung together uh, a big run of wins since the hardcore season when she uh, made the final of Miami, actually. So um, perhaps finding a bit of that form that she showed on the hardcourts, uh, but now finding it on clay at the French Open. Um, as you say, so playing Krajikova, who, again, uh, the underdog going into that quarterfinal, um, but just more slight underdog for this match um, than some of the others. She beat Coco Goff 7-6, 6-3, 8-6 in the first set. Uh, it took 
a long time coming actually for her to win this match. I think it was six match points. I think Coco Goff saved. Um, it went on quite a quite a while. The end of that second set, Goff really looked like she could put off uh, a big comeback against her, and I was kind of for it. Not going to lie, watching it when you see someone so far down in the second set, it's always amazing to see such a big comeback launched, especially when it's seventeen-year-old Coco Goff. But um. Again, this match took me by surprise. Krajcikova was so impressive and, and actually has been so impressive throughout the tournament. Only dropped one set en route to this semi-final. Also with wins over Alina Svitolina and Salone, <coughs> oh, sorry, uh, and Salone Stevens. So, um, you know, beating some really impressive opponents uh, en route to this semi-final. So for that reason, I'm going to give a uh, a chance in this uh, this semi against Sakari. Um, I'm going to go Sakari to win in three sets. I'm in agreement with you. Yeah, I think it's a tricky opponent. I think Sakari is in rightly as 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 favourite as a, as I said. Um, but yeah, Krajikova has had an amazing tournament. I think she might have won a title in the last few weeks on the clay courts coming into the French Open as well. Uh, so is really enjoying enjoying out there on the orange stuff. Um, so I think she can take a set off Sakari, but the Greek is, is the favourite for me. So, yeah, I'm going Sakari in three and then her to face Pavlochenkova in the final. Of course, you've gone for Zidane sec. We'll have to wait and see. But yeah, two two excellent matches really do await us today. I can't wait. Yeah, great point you make there. Um, uh, Krajcikova on a 10-match winning streak uh, on the clay courts after winning the title in Strasbourg. In France, she's only actually dropped three sets across those 10 wins. Uh, really, really impressive from the 25-year-old, yet another youngster, um, or perhaps not youngster, 25, but um, certainly, certainly certainly, not senior. So I think that's um, pretty much the, the women's done. Um, of course, having different finalists, but I reckon perhaps at this point, both agreeing that Maria Sakkari is probably the one to beat. Uh, at this tournament I, I know it's been harder there's been quite a lot of moments where uh, there's been sort of big shocks happening in this draws uh, in this draw uh, in particular Sakari's win over Suwantek yesterday now kind of throws it open any one of these women if they play well could win the tournament um, and I think that's definitely how this women's singles draw has gone uh, uh, Ron Garros so far. I don't know if you have any more to say, Marcus, on the women's semi-finals. No, that's all. Uh, you know, I'm looking forward. I should be able to watch both today, which is pretty exciting. Um, but yeah, no, it's, I think it's refreshing to see um, players that we haven't seen at this stage before reach it uh, at Roland Garros. Obviously, we've got you know plenty of good players. Sakari does stand out as we've mentioned before, knocking out the first seed. I mean, we were both fully expecting to see be talking about Sviontek moving into the last four and even the final. So, um, yeah, definitely going to keep an eye on her in, in the later later match. So we've uh, talked about the surprises of the women's, the uh, lower-ranked players coming up and, and putting off big shots. So let's uh, swiftly move on to the men's. Uh, in stark contrast, uh, perhaps, uh, with Djokovic and Nadal being the top semi-final, um, something that I actually went against when I did my predictions. I gave Berrettini 
Uh, I, I put Berrettini to beat Djokovic before the draw. Um, gave him a, a, a good a good test in that last quarter, but um, you know Djokovic looking well, not looking as good I would say as last year. But uh, it's, you know it's when these guys can win when they're still not looking their best. Um, that is that's just a testament to how good they are. And the second semi final being Sasha Zverev against. Uh, Stefanos Tsitsipas, uh, a semi-final that I think is going to be really intriguing. Um, Zverev has really surprised me at this tournament after a, a first-round five-setter against Oscar Otter um, of Germany. Uh, I wasn't really expecting big things of the German, but uh, he's looked fantastic afterwards. We'll start with Zverev, who I think uh, won the only real drab quarter-final of, of this uh, men's draw. Um, you know, that said, even though the the conclusions of the Nadal Djokovic quarterfinals didn't quite go how I wanted, they were still fantastic matches. This match, I think the, the real thing is that Davidovic Fakina, who his opponent was in his first Grand Slam quarterfinal, I think for me, Davidovic Fakina had to win that first set against Zverev. Um, lost it 6 4, quite a tight set, but then it went on from there 6 1 6 1 to Sasha Zverev, completely blew Davidovich Fakina off the court after that first set. I think we saw glimpses from ADF uh, as we shortened him, shortened him to, uh, only 22, so it'll be interesting to see where he goes from here, but um, mightily impressive from Zverev, and I think that, for me, is the main thing that's standing out as a difference. Zverev, we often see as quite unreliable at the slams um, in that first round, really showing that against Otter. But um, from there, he, he has looked very comfortable. Straight sets wins uh, over Safiulin, Jair, Nishikori, and now ADF. So um, we'll start with Zverev Marcus. What have you thought of him? I've got to say, I, I do think in a way he's almost been a surprise package of, of this men's draw. Well, he's gone under the radar a little bit, mainly be mainly because his, his matches have been so routine in the end for him. Obviously, you speak about Luke dropping those first two sets in the first round to Otte, but then it was an absolute procession. I think he only lost maybe three or four games in those last three sets. Um, so, yeah, he's done really well. Um, I think we spoke in the last episode how impressed we were to see him brush aside Lazlo Gero and Kei Nishikori in straight sets. And ADF, none the same. I think the Spaniard... Didn't really have a lot left in the tank after that mega match against Casper Ruud and then coming through against Federico Del Bonis. I think, um, I think he was running, running a bit low. Was <laughs> was the Spaniard in his first Grand Slam quarterfinal? Um, obviously, yeah, could could sort of compete with Zverev in that first set, but then after that, it was a bit of a foregone conclusion. Um, definitely someone that I've written off. I had him to go out in in the third round, but making this semi final, I think, I think he's got a good chance. Um, my main reason for, for saying that is that Sitsipas will have the weight of a first Grand Slam final on his mind and come in his favour. So that's the first time that's ever happened for him. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how he handles that pressure. As Zverev, I think, will be will feel good to walk in with, with the pressure off. Um, obviously, Sitsipas uh, beating Daniil, Daniil Medvedev in the quarterfinal, who despite not being great on clay, had played very well at the French Open and it's still Daniil Medvedev. It, it's still the world number two. So to, to beat him in straight sets, having only beaten him once before that in his career, was very impressive. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the Greek handles the pressure. 
uh, yeah, it's, it's a nice sort of situation for Zverev because I feel like he could look on the other side of the court and maybe see situations that have happened to himself before. Um, obviously, Sitsipas, two years younger than Zverev. A couple of years ago, you could have said that Zverev was sort of in the position that Sitsipas is in now and, and, and sort of hasn't been able to go on to that next stage. Well, maybe... Maybe you can profit from that uh, somehow, some kind of a mental digression I'm looking for here that I definitely don't have the education to to maybe uh, push through. But I think it, it's a nice matchup for Zverev. It's someone that he'll believe he can beat, but also, yeah, the, the pressure is on the Greek. Yeah, just quickly on ADF there, um, I believe in his press conference after the Del Bonis match, he mentioned about how he couldn't even put his socks on after that match. That's how um, dead his legs were. He couldn't even bend over to get his socks on. Um, and I think that just kind of proves uh, how um, how physically depleted he was ahead of that Zverev match. But some, someone that will definitely see back um, doing well at the French uh, moves very well on clay. Uh, not the, the tallest of players, um, not quite as short as a Diego Schwartzman, but um, physically a player that you see and, and you think they, they do have to sort of fight against it. And he's a very impressive player in that respect, I think. Um, and really interesting this week to hear about his work outside of tennis, uh, having a, a pet adoption agency, I believe, apparently something he's very passionate about outside of tennis. And hopefully that sort of thing is is something that can really help his mental side in the game. Um, I know that's not the, the main reason why you would do a pet, pet adoption agency. It's not the main point. But um, I think maybe for him having that sort of um, comfort of knowing that you're sort of doing something outside the sport and you've, you've got almost a life outside of the sport um, is so important for these younger guys coming up because I do think that is one of the reasons why we've seen it so hard to challenge the big three in recent years is I, I do think a lot of the younger guys almost haven't had a life outside of tennis and have been so focused on it and, and perhaps too over focused on it at times and, and you do need that sort of relax and that relief uh, away from it so uh, you talked about Sitspas Medvedev uh, they're a match that in my mind maybe disappointed me a little bit um, these two have had quite a bit of aggro in the past Medvedev was quite clearly trying to wind Sitsipas up at times uh, in this match, especially towards the end, actually. Um, and Sitsipas, for me, was very impressive. You know, he's lost his head against Zverev in the past. Um, he he sort of has been made to look like a little boy against Medvedev. I, I think it was one of the... Catherine Whitaker, I think, uh, the tennis podcast own was saying those exact words. And, and, and this was the match where Sitsipas actually was the one who looked like the grown-up and Medvedev sort of looked like... The, the sulking kid at times. Um, but a straight sets win for six pass. It wasn't simple though. Six three seven six seven five was behind uh, in that third set. Um, and and there were there were definitely at times in that match when it looked like Medvedev was going to take it further. Um, and and as Marcus said, having only beaten Medvedev once before that match, really impressive. Six pass could come out and get it done in straights. And, and for me, that shows the signs of someone who really believes he can win this tournament. Um, going ahead to that Zverev match, obviously Sitsipas has to be favourite. Um, but I completely take your point. You know, the, Zverev will like this this situation. Um, it's a 5-2 head-to-head in favour of Sitsipas. But Zverev did win their most recent 
meeting. Uh, that was back in the final of Acapulco this year uh, on the hardcore, albeit. So can't really take too much from that match. Um, never actually met in a Grand Slam, these two. I suppose that's because uh, they're quite often in opposite halves of the draw with sort of being the, the third or fourth or fifth seeds um, quite often coming up opposite. Um, Going to be a really interesting match, really interesting match. I can't see Sitzbass doing this one in straights, um, but I do think the Sitzbass I've seen this tournament, tournament I beg your pardon, uh, has been mightily impressive. Probably the most impressive Sitzbass I've seen at a Grand Slam. Uh, I know he was brilliant at the Australian Open when he beat Nadal, um, but you know you have to, of course, remember Australian Open, not Nadal's strongest Grand Slam, uh, whereas here sits the pass. Um, he's only dropped one set to John Isner. I think it's quite forgivable to drop a set to John Isner if John Isner turns up and serves well. Anyone's losing a set to him. Uh, let's let's be honest. Anyone but Rafa probably. Uh, I'm going to go for uh, sits pass to win in four sets. I'm going to say five. Um, I think I, I can see the sits of pass goes a couple of sets up and then. Zverev sees that there's a bit of fragility there and pounces uh, and gets it back to a deciding set. And then both of them are kind of struggling mentally with, with the prospect of a Grand Slam final. And then Sitsipas comes through. I do think he is slightly the stronger character and has the highest level in terms of clay court games. So, yeah, I think I think Sitsipas will get it done, but it'll be a tricky one. So I'm going... Sits a pass in five. I'm really looking forward to this match. Probably the standout one of, of all the semi-finals for me. I think just for the sake of the final, I really hope it's not a five-set grueling match. Uh, last year we saw Sits a pass take. Um, sorry, Djokovic taken to five sets by Sits a pass. Uh, and when Djokovic came up against Rafa in that final, he was quite clearly a bit gone after that semi-final, and Rafa absolutely blitzed him. Um, and presuming it's going to be Rafa in the final. Of course, that's not not always the the case. But um, I think whichever one wins this match, we need them in the best condition possible to, to if they have a, think they have a chance of beating Nadal in the final. We said pre-pod that we think Sitsipas will have the much better chance. I think Sitsipas can go onto that court believing he will beat Nadal. He's done it before at a slam. Beaten him before on clay, you know, I know Zverev has as well. But um, in my mind, Sitsipas is a much more confident player, um, much calmer at the moment as well. He's looked fantastic the whole French Open. So I, I do hope Sitsipas wins this purely because I, I worry that if Zverev gets to the final, Nadal or Djokovic uh, could just roll over him a little bit. Um, so, of course, uh, we've kind of saved the, the most prestigious perhaps semi-final to last with it being uh, two members of, of the big three or the big two you could call it at the moment with obviously Federer not quite uh, being there anymore in, in our minds. Um, both of these players were pushed in their quarterfinals. It was good to see but also kind of disappointing to see in the sense that neither of them were playing their best. Both of them were pushed but they still came through not comfortably, but not taken to five sets. They, they were both in four sets. We'll start with Nadal Schwartzman. Um, Schwartzman won the second set after losing the, the first set. And um, the, the third set after that was quite close. Nadal winning it 6-4, but then uh, Nadal rolling over the Argentine 6 love in the fourth set. That's their third meeting at the French Open now. And the second time 
Schwartzman has taken a set off of Nadal. Um, but other than those two sets he's taken off of him, he's been beaten quite comfortably, to be honest. Um, I think with Schwartzman, obviously it's so impressive that he can be 10th at the world, being the sort of stature that he is. He's the same height as me, five foot eight. Um, it's just mightily impressive. But uh, I, I do think that maybe puts limitations on his game. And even when he is playing as amazingly as he is uh, against Rafa, I just can't see um I just can't see him ever doing it against Nadal. Um Nadal isn't looking his best. You know, he, he looked better last year at the French, but he's still getting through these matches mightily comfortably uh, against Yannick Sinner uh, in the last round. Just absolutely blitz the young Italian. Um so yeah, it, it's really hard to see who stops Nadal on this route, despite him probably not playing the best tennis of his role on Garros career um but reaction to this semi-final Marcus um Diego Schwartzman what an athlete you know someone who I, I can't see how you can't watch him and, and not get behind him yeah I saw on uh, Twitter he, Diego had expressed a little bit of frustration after the match just saying how he knows how good he is on a clay court and he, he'd love to see how far he could get in a French Open if he was on the other side of Rafael Nadal in the draw um saying that you know he'd sort of be quietly optimistic of, of facing Novak Djokovic in a quarterfinal or a semi-final. Of course, he beat Dominic Team at the tournament and made the semi-final just last year. So yeah, on a clay court, he's an extremely good player. Um, I, I think I don't even think his size really comes into it. His, his serve has improved a lot in the last few years. And yeah, he's just such a skillful player. Um, really is a joy to watch, particularly on the clay courts. But Rafael Nadal, you say he wasn't at his best. I think sometimes that there's a performance from Rafa, which I have. We, I think we have seen definitely this clay court season where he's maybe not at his best for two thirds of the match. But that third of the match where he is at his best, he can rattle off two sets or pretty much two sets quite quickly. Um, no one can live with the guy. Uh, I, I know we've seen it so many times before from Rafael Nadal and Novak Djokovic. And we've got a 34 and a 35-year-old uh, in a Grand Slam semi-final. And the winner of that semi-final will be favourite to win the final. But just because we've seen it so many times before, I don't think we should decrease the amount of credit we give these guys. I mean, it's more and more amazing the, the older they get. I know, um, you know, we, we're big fans of, of the up-and-coming players and we do want to see that, that changing of the guard moment and a, a little bit more variety maybe. But it just is an incredible achievement. And for Rafael Nadal at 35 to still be able to produce levels of, of tennis, particularly on Philippe Chatrier, it must be said, that just no one can live with him is... It's pretty remarkable, to be honest. Um, he's comfortably the, the best clay court player in the world. I, I don't think we'll ever see a better one in our lifetime, to be honest. Um, so there is a sense of we should enjoy it while it lasts. Um, I, I'm very happy that Schwartzman got a set, the first player to take a set off him since 2019. Um, so, yeah, it was a good match. But once Nadal clicked into gear again after uh, after Schwartzman levelled the match, there was no living with him. Um it really does seem like no one can handle him once once he is really firing. Um, Djokovic, of course, coming into this match, I think, after how dramatically he was dismantled in the final last year, I think uh, he lost the first set 6-love and then the second set 6-2 in that one. I, I think he'll kind of be feeling like he's got nothing to lose, which is very uncommon for Novak Djokovic. But I think that 
you know, he he will have a pure underdog mentality because he knows the alien he's coming across on on the other side of the court. So I think, you know, surely it can't get any worse. I get what you're saying, but this is a guy, probably the guy in the sport, in my mind, that hates losing the most. That guy, you know, Djokovic hates losing. So yes, he might have a nothing to lose mentality, but I don't think that means he'll go into it with pressure off of his shoulders. I think he'll still be devastated. Uh, whatever happens, if, if he doesn't come through that match, you know, I think, whereas, okay, obviously Schwartzman was quite frustrated after that match, but, you know, 99% of players can leave the court against Nadal at the French Open and think, okay, you know, I, I played all right there, couldn't really do much else. I'll take it. Djokovic is certainly not one of them. And, and having been one of only two people to beat Nadal on uh, at Roland Garros. Uh, he knows he can do it. Um, that was a, a while back now, 2015, I believe, um, the year that Ravrinka won the tournament. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, Djokovic leads to head-to-head 29-28, um, but it's 21-27. Uh, sorry, 21 to seven uh, to Ravrinka. That means Rafa's only beaten Djokovic seven times. Not on a clay court. That uh, that really does surprise me, actually. Um, the player that he is. Let's talk about Djokovic's semi-final um, against Matteo Berrettini. As I said before, um, I did put Berrettini to win this match prior to the tournament. Um, the first two sets are quite comfortable. I didn't actually see the first two sets. Um, was was busy with some some uni stuff. Um, but uh, I did see the third set, and I thought Berrettini in this third set was mightily impressive. Um, but the big thing that stood out for me in this, uh, which tells me that perhaps Djokovic isn't quite at it in this tournament. Obviously, we saw him lose those two sets to Lorenzo Massetti in his fourth round. Um, and he choked the third set in this match against Berrettini. He was 5-4 up, uh, I believe, with two service points uh, to win the match lost both of them with poor shots into the net, uh, unforced errors, to be honest. And um, Berrettini capitalised on it, went on to, to win that third set. And it was a competitive fourth set as well with uh, Djokovic winning it 7-5. Um, but again, you know, it just shows me how amazing Novak Djokovic is, considering that he wasn't at his best. Uh, he did choke that third set. Um, and he was still able to, to recover himself against the Berrettini, who, as I said, didn't see those first two sets, and it looks like it was a bit more one-sided in them. But, uh, but for sets three and four, Berrettini was brilliant. Um, he was really good. It's one of the best I've seen him play, um, and, and he must be thinking, after those last couple of sets, what do I have to do to beat this guy? And, and we're not even talking about Rafa here. Um, we've got to remember that even though Rafa has dominated the French Open and Djokovic has only won it once, he's still a mightily impressive player on the clay. Um, didn't drop a set until that semi-final against Sitsipas last year um, and did so well to win that match. Obviously, was a, a bit blown out by the final. Um, but, but this guy, if he ends his career with only one Roland Garros title... That's, that's going to be amazing. Uh, th- this guy's fantastic at this tournament and he really showed it in this match because Berrettini, I would have said, was at 110% in those last two sets and, and, and didn't win. 
Yeah, it does make me wonder if it wasn't for Rafael Nadal, would Djokovic be sat on 25 plus Grand Slams right now? Um, because he's amazing on clay. It's, it's his worst surface, but he's amazing on it. Um, we, we saw him dismantle Lorenzo Massetti, just winning 16 out of 17 games to finish that match after Massetti had produced probably the best two sets of his career um, in, in the early knockings of that match. And then Berrettini the same. Um, I think there was a big moment, uh, you know, when, when the crowd left, um, obviously Berrettini winning that third set and was kind of using the crowd to sort of gain a little bit of momentum, two sets down, 6-3, 6-2, no one really gave him a chance. Um, so credit to him, the 25-year-old, for managing to rally and, and take that set to a tie-break. I know, you, as you mentioned, Djokovic's level did drop in that tie-break, but he got it there in the first place. Uh, so, yeah, very, very impressive from Berrettini and, you know, to push Djokovic to 7-5 in the fourth, made him work for it as well. So um, very impressive from Berrettini, obviously had the walkover to make his way into the quarterfinal and not too many really tricky matches. So it does feel like it's a it's a quarterfinal appearance. It's tricky to draw too much from, from Matteo Berrettini, but he's tested Djokovic, so fair play to him. Um, but, you know, all's well that ends well. Djokovic has won in four sets and has had to show some resolve again, just as he did again against Lorenzo Mezzetti, which I think is a positive in sort of the lead up to the closing exchanges of a Grand Slam, because he's going to have to show one hell of resolve in this match if he is to really get anything against Nadal. I think he can take a set, but yeah, my, my prediction is, is Nadal in four. Um, Djokovic, I think, yeah, he's, he's going to give everything. We know how much these two care about this sort of, race to be the GOAT in terms of the, the slams of all time. Uh, if Nadal wins this tournament, he goes three ahead of Djokovic. Um, so, yeah, I think a, a 34, Djokovic will be leaving everything on the court, which he always does. But, you know, he, he's going to want to to cause Rafa as, as many problems as he can. And probably no one really gives him a chance. And I, I don't think anyone really fancies him in this semi-final, which is very strange when you're talking about Novak Djokovic. But, um you know, I, I do think we should we shouldn't be taking this for granted at thirty four and thirty five. You never know what's going to be around the court around the corner for these guys. You know, we've seen the operations that the likes of Andy Murray and Roger Federer have had in recent years. Um, you know, at 34, 35, you're definitely more prone to to injuries of, of that significance. So I think we you know we should still try and enjoy it while it lasts. Um, yeah, I I think you giving Djokovic a set is a lot further than what most people would go, I think, with that French Open last year being in October, uh, so what, only about eight or nine months ago, uh, that final's still too fresh in my head uh, to see anything other than Nadal absolutely battering Djokovic in this time. Perhaps not 6-love, six 6-2 six in the first two sets. I think perhaps looking at more 6-4 sets uh, across all three, um, but yeah, I, I, I just can't give Djokovic hope. Um, he hasn't looked good enough in his last two matches, albeit he's done mightily well to win both of them uh, and to come through them after, you know, losing the two sets to Mastetti and losing that third set tiebreak, which he threw away um, against Berrettini. You know, he's done brilliantly to get through those two matches. But for me, he just hasn't looked good enough at this tournament. Um even though he is a fantastic player at it. Um, so, yeah, I, I, you know, it's it's Nadal. Nadal in three sets for me. I, I just can't see anything else. But I will be uh, 
I don't know if I'll be rooting for Djokovic actually because I want I want Sitsipas to win the French Open and I think the dream for me would be Sitsipas beating Nadal in the final. Um, so, but then perhaps like, that's a bit risky. Perhaps Sitsipas does, uh, has a bit more of a chance of beating Djokovic in the final. I, I'm not too sure. But obviously Nadal never lost a French Open final before. Uh, so yeah. Uh, that's pretty much uh, the conclusion of our semi-finals preview pod. Um, at the time of recording, the women's semi-finals will be off in about three hours, I make it. Um, so a little bit of time for you guys to, to listen to that before the women's semi-finals get underway. But uh, yeah, four really good semi-finals uh, coming up for you. Um, we've got the, the new and exciting players on the women's side Um for you to, to watch perhaps it might even be first time of, of watching them for a lot of a lot of viewers out there um and on the men's side um a new matchup with Zverev and Sitspas at a Grand Slam and then of course the the old classic Nadal and Djokovic which uh, I, I was gonna say never fails to deliver but actually it really does uh, con- considering that last uh, French Open final uh so let's hope it doesn't fail to deliver this time but uh yeah that's us done uh for this episode marcus thank you very much for joining me thanks a lot yeah really looking forward to these matches as always as i said before i think alexander zero versus stefanos sitsipas does really stand out to two guys um trying to make their first french open final should be a really interesting one but yeah enjoy the tennis thank you very much and we will see you later this week